Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Thursday, April 7th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes from Kansas City, where it's opening day. Hoynes, we made it. It's finally here. (laughs) We've been through the desert. We've wandered for 99 days, and now we are about ready to watch the Guardians take the field for the first time and uh, open up this 2022 season. Did you think we'd ever get here? At times, Joe, I did not think we'd get here, but uh, like you said, we're here. It's, it's cold in Kansas City. It's windy. And uh, I don't think Ahmed Rosario might not be having a great day today. <laughs> left field. That's uh, Ahmed Rosario getting the opening day start in left. Uh, Stephen Kwan in right. We'll go over the lineup here in a minute. Uh, we also want to get into uh, our season predictions that we made in a couple of posts yesterday. Uh, we, we picked the, um, the, our predicted winners for uh, awards and and the division races as well. So let's just look ahead at this season uh, to what to expect from the Guardians. Terry Francona is back in the dugout. Uh, they're a very young roster, and everything really just centers on can the starting rotation stay healthy and pitch as many innings as they possibly can this year. Yeah, Joe, I think that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, that's the best part of the team most talented part of the team, the most experienced part of the team, that rotation. Uh, everywhere else, there's, there's kind of question marks, you know, the bullpen, the, uh, the lineup after you get through the first four or five top hitters. Uh, so, it, 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 like you said, it's young, uh, and uh, I think there's going to be some growing pains. But with that rotation, you know, Bieber, Plesak, Savali, Quantrill, and McKenzie, you know that's where uh, that's where the uh, that's where the rubber meets the road for for the Guardians. Who uh, among that rotation do you expect to have uh, maybe the outstanding or the best season? Last year it was a surprise because Cal Quantrill started the season in the bullpen and made the transition slowly but surely into the rotation. And and once he was there, the last two months of the season, he just sort of took off. Uh, is is somebody who's already in the rotation right now uh, potential for your breakout uh, star of the rotation? You know, I'm, I'm going to go with Tristan McKenzie. I really like the way he pitched in the second half. I know he had a lot of ups and downs last year, four or five trips to the minors, a lot of walks, a lot of strikeouts. But from what I saw in spring training of him, he looks a lot more confident, a lot more 
consistent with his stuff. You know, that's the guy I, I'm, uh, I would, if you want to break out season, I think it might be Tristan. That's a, that's a good one to pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Savali. I think uh, uh, Terry Francona was really high on him and his performance last year. I think the injury still bothered him maybe a little bit with the finger uh, when he came back in the second half last year. Uh, so I think a fully healthy Aaron Savali uh, can eat up a ton of innings. And, you know, he's, he's, never, he's never totally out of a ball game. I think he's got the ability to just sort of uh, give you length and, and keep a, a team in a game. Uh, and, you know, maybe he gets the run support this year that, uh, that had been lacking in the past. So, uh, all right, that's the rotation. Uh, give, me, give me one guy in the lineup who's going to play a ton, who, who you're expecting big things out of this year. Boy, you know, uh, we really didn't get to see Miles Straw for a full season. Um, I kind of like him. I, I'm anxious to see what he can do defensively and offensively. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with the guy that, that I'm really anxious to see. I'm, I'm anxious to see Andres Jimenez, how he plays. It looks like he's going to get a lot of playing time at shortstop, or he's going to be in the lineup pretty much every day, you know, either in shortstop, second, uh, and with, especially with that uh, – with Rosario playing left field a lot. So, you know, that's a guy I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, to see what, how he can do, to see if he can be more consistent and, uh, you know, hit for a better average. He doesn't necessarily, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a power hitter, but I'd like to see him be a productive hitter at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. Tito said that, you know, once he figured out that he didn't have to swing for the fences as much, uh, which was sort of his problem early on last year, that, that Jimenez sort of grew into his power and, and it just sort of came naturally. All right, for my, uh, my breakout guy to, to watch offensively, I'm, gonna, I'm going high risk, high reward here uh, because it's a high risk to say Bobby Bradley, but the reward, if he does come through, could be tremendous. This is a guy who could hit 30 home runs and, and you know, driving close to 100 runs this, this season, uh, but he's still going to strike out 130 times. That's, that's going to be a given. If he's given enough time to, to, to play at first base, uh, he could still do that. So uh, high risk, high reward, Bobby Bradley, my breakout guy. Yeah, I'd love to see Bradley put two halves together. You know, when he came up in June last year, he was, he was lights out. You know, he was driving the ball the other way, hitting the ball out of the park the other way, the left center, uh, making contact. Uh, and then he kind of faded in the second half. I still think that knee injury kind of played a role in that. If we if he can put two halves together, Joe hitting from behind Reyes in that number five spot, you know, the lineup is a completely different lineup. Yeah, maybe he gets to see some fastballs this year and uh, and, and gets the chance to drive him that let that alley in left left center field. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about the division. Let's talk about all the divisions and the uh, the awards that we we predicted. Uh, let's start with the central. The AL Central, uh, I think we both, everybody kind of figures uh, the, the White Sox are the class of the division, and that's, that's hard to, to say otherwise. But uh, who's the second-place team in the AL Central, and who's the last-place team in the AL, AL Central? Uh, I, don't, I don't care about the in-between. Just tell me who the second-place team is and who the last-place team is. You know, I'm going to go, you know, I think the Twins are going to bounce back. I think the Twins are going to, you know, bounce from uh, – from last to second, and I think uh, the team, the Royals might be in for another last place finish, although greatly improved. And and if, if it's not the Royals, it could be the Guardians. It could be. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say the Guardians. I'm going to have them in the in fourth with uh, the Tigers in last place because they're still pretty young. And uh, like you said, the uh, the Twins they they pushed all their chips to the center of the table. They they made some big trades in the off season. And if the pitching works out for them, if Sonny Gray, if uh, Michael Pineda can work out for them, then uh, I, I think um, uh, maybe they got maybe they have something. Uh, AL uh, AL East, uh, who who wins there? I think we're, we're both of the same mind as well. Uh, uh, the Blue Jays look like they're uh, they've got it put together as well. Yeah, the Blue Jays came up just short last year. They won, what, 91, 92 games and didn't make the postseason. I think they're hungry. I think that's a great young lineup. You know, you saw them, Joe. I saw them. They, they just don't stop hitting. They're so aggressive. They've done a great job. Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins putting together that pitching staff, especially the rotation. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they're the class of the AL East, but it's not going to be easy. That, that's a loaded division. That's that the AL East and the NL East are both, uh, you know, just meat grinders uh, as well. Uh, AL West, uh, I, I think we both picked um, uh, the Astros, uh, or, or did you pick the Mariners? I, I, th- I think I picked Seattle. Pick Seattle, okay. Uh, and and I believe if I if memory serves, uh, I picked the Astros with uh, the Mariners as one of my wild cards. So. Uh, my wild cards were the Yankees and Red Sox and Mariners. Uh, your wild cards were the, uh, let's see, the Yankees, Rays, and Astros. So, you know, uh, Rays, Red Sox, that's where we differ in terms of, uh, you know, the, the playoff field. But uh, I think you could throw a, a, a dart at the wall in that, uh, that AL East and, and, you know, come up with uh, the correct answer uh, out of those teams. Yeah, definitely. That that is that's such a loaded division, and we're you know I don't think we're probably giving the Rays enough credit, uh, but you know they they traded away some guys, but it never see, seems to affect them. They always have somebody to to step in. You know, with the Austin Meadows, I'm I'm anxious to see uh, who replaces him in that lineup in that Rays lineup. So it's it's going to be interesting, Joe. Really interesting. All right, I want to double back here uh, before we move on to uh, the awards, the postseason or the the individual awards, uh, and and just give a, a win total for the Guardians. This is always a, a moving target and a, a hard number for us to nail right uh, every year. Um, the uh, the season predictions win totals are uh, our colleague Terry Pluto uh, went with seventy seven wins and eighty five losses for for the Guardians. Uh, your prediction was 75 wins and 87 losses, and mine was 78 wins and 84 losses. So somehow I become the optimist uh, out of our group. Uh, it, uh, an optimistic uh, 78 wins, uh, still missing the playoffs, though, uh, in, in that group. What, what did you have in mind when you said uh, 75 wins for these guys? Yeah, I just look at the bullpen. I'm a little worried about the bullpen, Joe, outside of Class A. I don't know how they get the ball to them. I think they need, you know, they needed a veteran. They added Brian Shaw, but I thought they they probably could have used somebody else as well. I, and uh, I think uh, yeah, they needed a, probably another, you know, a veteran arm in there. And uh, the lineup, like we talked before, I, I just think there's too many holes in that, especially after you get past Reyes in the cleanup spot. All right. Uh Let's uh, let's really quickly run through uh, the awards. Uh, I, I had uh, Vladimir Guerrero 
uh, Jr. as the uh, American League MVP. Um, and who did you have uh, as the as the AL MVP? I believe it was Vladdy Jr. Yeah, same as uh, same as me. So uh, I, I I wonder, do you think uh, Vladdy can win the Triple Crown because that's what he was pushing for last year? I, I'm sure. Yeah, he's talented enough to do that to win the Triple Crown, uh, Joe. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I guess you know the the, the stiffest competition for him is going to be Otani. But I, I'm wondering, does Otani hold up again? Can he do what he did last year and physically, you know, post up, you know, every day? Uh, I think a lot of people will be watching to see that because, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to give him MVP and Cy Young. I mean, this is a guy who could who could potentially win both. I think if he ever focused on one or the other, he'd, he'd be a shoe in every year. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, AL Cy Young winner, you chose Jose Barrios. And uh, my pick was Garrett Cole. Uh, I think it's going to be hard. If Garrett Cole puts up any sort of a, a Garrett Cole-like season, it's going to be hard for people not to vote for him. Uh, you know, the, the, the Yankees, uh, you know, ace pitcher is always going to get strong consideration for that spot. I think, you know, Cole is a great pitcher. Had, you know, what he finished second or third last year, right? Mm -hmm. He was right there last year. I went with Barrios. I've always liked him. I don't think he ever reached his full potential with the Twins. He signed that big extension with Toronto, like a seven-year extension. I think he's going to settle in. I just think he's ready to kind of blossom. That's a, that's a, that's a real good pick as well. Uh, last up, uh, rookie of the year. Uh, I think uh, that's a, an interesting pick. There's a, a lot of candidates. Um, you went with Spencer Torkelson of the Tigers, and I went with uh, Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals. You're going to get a look at Bobby Witt Jr.'s uh, Major League debut uh, today, right? Uh, he's, he's in the lineup for Kansas yeah. City. Bobby Witt is a big the topic of conversation in Kansas City. They love him. He's going to start at third base today. Uh, you know, an exciting young player. And you look at his AAA numbers last year, Joe, just off the chart. Uh, I mean, this guy's he's, he's ready to play, it looks like. And I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to see him, excited to see him. Yeah, this day, he's, he's pretty much what you call a can't-miss prospect. Uh, and, and Torkelson as well. Torkelson's a guy who played it at three different levels last year and, and really tore it up for, for the Tigers, the number one overall pick from a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I like both of those selections. I think those are that whoever's voting uh, for uh, for the BBWAA at the end of the year, whoever's voting for rookie of the year, that's not a throwaway vote anymore, man. That's a that's a tough one. You're going to have to do your homework on that pick. Yeah, there's no no doubt about that. This, there's a lot of young talent in the game. You know, there is already and there's more coming, Joe. And it just team teams keep getting younger and younger and the players keep getting better and better, even though they're young. Uh, you, you mentioned that the, your MVP in the uh, pick in the National League was Juan Soto. Uh, this is a guy who started at 19 years old. I mean, I mean and, and he's he's blossomed. And now I, I think he's one of the, the elite hitters in, in the game. Uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. You know, speaking of the game getting old, man, Hoinsey, how many opening days is this for you? This is uh, this is a young man's game and, and, and you're you're going strong, man. This is it, it's impressive. Uh, how many how many opening days have you covered? I don't know, Joe. I try not to think about that too much, but uh, somebody told me it's 40. This would be the 40th opening day since 1983. So <laughs> Zach Meisel was quizzing me on uh, 
the opening day lineup from the first home, the first season opener I covered. I, it was in Oakland, and, and uh, Rick Sutcliffe was uh, Rick Sutcliffe was the starting pitcher. Uh, and Andre Thornton hit a three-run homer, and uh, and Mike Hargrove was a leadoff hitter. But Jack uh, told me that <laughs> he had to tell me that because I, I did not remember. You got you got to be kidding me! Hargrove was batting leadoff, and that. I, I mean, every time he comes up to the plate, it's an extra five minutes while he adjusts his batting gloves. So uh, that game had to take forever. Uh, I just, you know, as a, as a highlight uh, covering opening days had to have been uh, the opening of Jacobs Field the year that in 1994, when that opened, President Clinton was there to throw out the first pitch and uh, and, and uh, the Indians won in a walk off. Uh, uh, my favorite thing to do is quiz guys about the opening day lineup that day because Randy Johnson was on the mound. So Grover went with the all right-handed lineup and uh, Jim Tomey didn't even, didn't even start that game. Thing I remember about that game is Randy Johnson had a, a no hitter through about seven innings until Sandy Alomar broke it up and Bob Feller, you know, the, the only man in history to throw opening day, no hitter was in the, was in the press box watching the game and between innings, every reporter would go up and ask him about it. And he said, no problem. No problem. So it was, it was, it was good theater. Uh, yeah. I wonder if, uh, if Feller bought uh, Sandy Alomar a six pack uh, after that game, because uh, you know, he that was one of the things he was most proud of is being able to throw that opening day no hitter. Well, we'll see who throws, uh, who comes close and who throws an opening day no hitter today. Uh, it's certainly possible. Last year we saw what nine of them in in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, it's the era of the no hitter. So let's see if uh, if that happens again. Who's the who's the first guard? We we don't have any Indians uh, no hitters after Bob uh, or Lenny Barker, uh, and and now there won't be any more Indians no hitters. So who throws the first Guardians no-hitter? That's a great question. You know, I, for some reason, Plesak sticks in my mind. You know, he, I mean, he, he started three games where they got no hit last year. So, you know, <laughs> it seems like the diet, you know, the, uh, the spin, uh, if you, if the spin of, a, the you know, fate, you know, fate has to favor him one of these, the diet, yeah. you know, the, I don't know what I'm saying. I think fate has completed. to favor him. It, the circle would be complete if he comes back this year and instead of getting no hit three times, he throws a no hitter. I think Zach Plesak's a great pick just because of his athleticism and his endurance. I think he's best the, the best pitcher in the in the rotation to, to throw if he has to throw 120 pitches one night to do so. He came darn close in Seattle last year. Uh, we all thought he was going to do it. Uh, Tristan McKenzie had that electric performance in Detroit last season. He was perfect through almost, uh, what, eight and a third, something like that, seven and a third. I, I mean, it, you think there's the, there's tremendous talent in this rotation. I think it might happen this year. Wouldn't that make the transition from Indians to Guardians so much better if, if we could point to something in, in sort of that history and sort of that lore where we can go back and say, yeah, the first year they were the Guardians, they finally broke through and got a no-hitter for the first time in 40-some years. Uh, uh, I think there's there's somebody on this rotation who's capable of doing so. That'd be really cool, Joe. And you, you never know with baseball, you know, just when you least expect it, strange things happen. And, you know, it, it would be great to see any Indians pitcher or any Guardians pitcher throw a no-hitter because what? It, it's been a while. What? Eight, Large Lenny did it in 81, right? 41 years, yeah. Uh, I, 
I, I, my only hope is that when they do throw that no hitter, that you're doing the game story that night and not me, because I don't want to have to deal with all of the crazy. I think uh, you are far better equipped than I am uh, to deal with the crazy of a, a, a no hitter. They might have uh, to right, have the shock panels next to me, Joe. Just bring me back to life if that happens. <laughs> Code blue or something. Oh, no, don't talk like that. All right. Uh, Hoinsey, it's going to wrap it up for our opening day podcast. We'll be back with you on the off day tomorrow from Kansas City to wrap up uh, the season opener and look forward to the weekend. Uh, good to talk to you, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Joe.